Good morning. It's the A to Z podcast. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. A to Z podcast.com. Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. Shouts as always to American Fireworks, to Cleveland Scene, to the Honeymoon Grill for helping to make this happen. To you guys for helping it grow, for staying on us. Um, Dre, let's just start right here. So at this time of year, this is the second or third one in a row where we we try and we can't. And then like with three minutes notice, we have to go. So I think we left out some things last time. One of them um, that I was really mad at myself about when I kind of went back and, and listened and took stock. Um, but one of the things I want to start with is it snuck up on me. It's Memorial Day. It's a holiday. So it is the time to get to American Fireworks. They won't just sell you fireworks. They'll sell you a lot of them. You go to AmericanFireworks.com and download coupons. They're right there in Hudson. You can buy online or you can go out there to Hudson, not far from 480, not far from the Turnpike, and buy them. Uh, and the other thing that we left out, and, and I, we want to talk Cavs. I know we want to avoid baseball, but this goes back a week now. Um, our guy, Derek Anderson, retired from the NFL. And yeah. You know, in addition to at least being deserving of a shout out, um, and he has a hell of a place in Browns history. Even if you say that he was over his head or it would have never happened again, the fact is it happened, guys. Twenty nine touchdowns is twenty nine touchdowns. Ten wins is ten wins. Yeah. Um, but I thought we should at least throw him a, a three minute retirement party here. So uh, I, I didn't give you any warning on this. I got a couple stories I can tell. I think I've told him before. I don't know. But when you think about Derek Anderson and just the goofball that he is and the, and the hot quarterback he was for 15 games, uh, what comes to mind? Yo! Yo! <laughs> that was his first of all. Every, he answered everything. Yo! Um, I've told this story on the podcast before, and we can talk baseball. It'll be scary, but we can do it. Um, DA was, number one, goof, top of the line goofball, um, but also was one of those guys that was – just he had a t- he had talent. I, I you know what I'm going to compare him to a baseball player, and it might put bad taste in people's mouths, but their careers are very similar. He's like Danny Salazar. Danny Salazar is one of those guys that can he can he can do card tricks. He can play a guitar. He can throw a baseball 98 miles an hour, right-handed or left-handed, um, but just never can put it all together. Uh, I can remember Derek Anderson throwing footballs left-handed 40 yards down the field, just as like he did right-handed. Um, that was the first thing that always stood out to me. He was like a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Obviously couldn't throw the ball soft. Um, but a guy that got it, and obviously in that time frame that we're going through, and when he came to the Browns, not much was expected. Uh, but he had all these just talents that you were just kind of like, all right, if this guy can harness a little bit of this, he can do something. And in that 2007 season, and I know I've told the story on the podcast before, but that was years ago, and we have different listeners um, when you say Derek Anderson, I hate that this is the first thing that I think of, but the first thing I think of is in that unbelievable year, that, that year that made him a lot of money and he deserved it because 29 touchdowns or 29 touchdowns. And when you're in a huddle with the guys he was in a huddle with and he kept all those guys happy, he was doing something right. He, uh, and that's the God out of his truth. When you look at the dudes, he lied at that. We're all in that, that huddle that year and asking for the ball and telling him to get, get in the ball and moving into different positions that they weren't supposed to be in. Thank God for Joe Jurevicius. Um, I'll never forget as he got hot that year because I, when I was doing sideline for the Browns, the job was always a quarterback. You would, I would get the head coach one on one, and right after I got the coach head coach one on one, it was head inside and get the quarterback. Um, no matter good game, bad game, most of them were bad before Derek came along. Uh, but so by the time I we got to DA, and he's firing five touchdowns against the Bengals and nobody knows him, 
And sometimes I feel like that's sometimes that it makes the job a little bit easier uh, when it's when it's so fresh and so new. I think it's just like life and relationships. Sometimes relationships are so much more. The honeymoon phase is the best phase, right? Yes. So in the very beginning, in, in the very beginning, DA wasn't the greatest quote, and you could tell he was. It was nerd, you know, Oregon State. They didn't have some sideline reporter, you know, running up to him right after a game after he threw three interceptions or threw six touchdowns, and having him break down plays. So the first couple of interviews were just, were just they were shit, uh, you know. And I remember finally like kind of my boss going, "Hey, you gotta get this guy to say more than than what you're getting out of him." And he's like, "You got, you know," he goes, "Is it you or is it him?" Is it? And I go, well, "That's just him." So I remember I went to DA. And middle of the week, and I was, you know, we and we BS'd a lot uh, before he played and when he played. And I was just like, hey, man, you got to give me more than three answers when you throw a fucking 50-yard touchdown pass. He goes, all right. So the next game, I can't remember who it was. I go in. He's standing in a towel. And we were on the road. And he goes, you ready to get a little bit more? And I go, yeah. And he's 6'5", I'm 5'8", whatever you want to go off of. And he stands on a stool, bends over, drops his towel, and his, his ass in my face. As I'm getting ready to ask, ask the first question. And as that's happening, the owner of the football team walks in to congratulate him on a great game. And he's standing bent over on a stool, <laughs> screwing with me, with no clothes on. And I got a mic. And the owner's going, great job, DA. And I'll never forget the look on his face. And the interview was great. No one saw it because it was on radio. But that was Derek Anderson in 2007, and I'll never forget that. Yeah. Um, you know, he went – listen, this is no exaggeration, guys – He's a top 20 and maybe top 10 waiver claim in, in history. When you think about – I mean, there's oh, been no guys doubt. that have gone on to better careers. But when you think about positional importance and getting dismissed by the Ravens, who were in the midst then of a uh, decade-plus-long search for a quarterback, and the Browns take him and he doesn't play, or he does play and they stink, you know, and then all of a sudden he has that – I know it was just one season, but when you think about the positional value and the rise that he had for that one season, he's that – uh, he was a small town kid, uh, married his high school sweetheart, uh, was absolutely nobody. And, and I think that he put that in his Twitter notice. You know, I was just a guy. I was trying to catch on. I got cut my rookie year. And then all of a sudden, you know, Peter King was going to his hometown football camp. Uh, guys all over the world wanted to golf with him when his story kind of got out. He, you know, he made 30 million or whatever it was, 20 some million. Um, and then later, of course, he failed with the Browns. He had the Monday Night Football incident. He got divorced. All stuff that he's talked about, like, he lived right. his life well, in front of us, right? Yes. But let and, me add this. Let me add this. Let me add this, because he was great. And my wife my wife and his wife got along really well, his first one. Um, and I'll never forget, he comes back after the pro ball season. And I'm like, how's your wife? He goes, oh, we got divorced in the offseason. <laughs> like, like, that was D.A. Like, he was like high school sweetheart. They were best friends with a Playboy playmate. It was the greatest little thing. They were living out in Crocker yeah, Park. Remember game, yeah, remember Game Day did that, like, 15-minute segment on the guy, right? I mean, and he, yes, he was cut. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I've got several yeah. of them. i got several of them, but, but for time's sake, uh, I'm only going to tell two. So we're going to work backwards. It was 2011. Uh, it was Cam's rookie year. Derek had, had left the Browns, obviously, had failed, um, had gone to Arizona, you know, and had that stuff happen. And then he landed as a backup in Carolina. And so I'm covering a preseason game in Cincinnati. And Cam is really struggling. Now, this was a lockout, so there was no OTAs. There's none of this. Chud was calling the plays, and they were making Cam run a standard offense. He hadn't been in a huddle. He just took off and run. It was really – I mean, he looked really lost that night. And so after the game, I went down to the locker room to do my usual thing. 
um, you know, interviews, whatever. But one thing I was going to make sure that I was going to see Derek. I mean, I'm not claiming we were close, but we were cool. We had shared a lot of memories and a lot of chuckles over the years. I remember the story about his ass in your face now that you tell it. And uh, <laughs> I was going to go see him. And so we, I, I caught him at just the right time, kind of coming out of the locker room, and we were standing in the tunnel talking. And he was so genuine. You know, how's the family? How's so-and-so in Cleveland? What are you doing here? Ho- hope you're great, you know. And as, and as we kind of embraced and walked away, he turned around, hey, Zach, hey. And he said, don't believe the bullshit you're seeing right now. This this Newton is special. He goes, please do not contribute to the idiots. Just trust me on this one. And I think Cam Newton's turned out to be a pretty good player. He was right about that. Yep. But my absolute favorite yep, Derek yep, Anderson yep. story has nothing to do with any of the 29 touchdowns or any of the bombs or the Hail Marys that showed the Browns were never out of a game that year. Uh, and really kind of led to their demise. I think they, they got greedy with the pass. Uh, Chud did, Derek yep. did, everybody did. And shoot, the way Braylon was going and the other guys were going, I kind of get it. Anyway, this I know this wasn't 07. This was either 08 or 09. And I think I've told the story on the podcast before. But it's you're still going to laugh even if you did. So I'm working for the team. And, um, you know, just kind of a, a lesser version of what you guys see now and, and hear now. We had a segment for the website called the AT&T Locker Room Report. And it would basically be me and Jameer or me and someone else. And we would go over. We would do it. What's up, on, G? Sizzle? What's up, son? <laughs> we would do it on today? Sundays Sound after like the game. Looking. And then, you know, Shout uh, out to Jameer. during the week. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, basically it was just called that to be called that. AT&T had obviously fronted the money for the website programming that year. And we would show locker room sound. Now, the kind of stuff you guys get streamed now on Twitter live, right? Well, right, right. they were. I want to say this was 09 because that's the year they started 1-11. and 11. They were so bad that we had never done it in the locker room. And it would actually become like a point of laughing that we would be, you know, in the lobby somewhere or, or in the corner of some studio doing the locker room report because it was so miserable to be in the locker room because the team was so bad, right? So they finally won right, a game. Take a time out. We yep. all need to take it. We all take a time. We need to take a second to remember how bad things were in 2009. Yes, that was hell, man. That was yes. a hell season. We need a moment of silence for that shit. That yeah, I mean that team started one and eleven. It was as bad at football as I've ever seen. No, no, no question yes. about it. Yes. So they finally win a game. There's finally a victory Monday, and the players are off. So we're we're gonna we usually did it two or three in the afternoon. So there's a couple guys around, um, you know, they're getting their treatments. They're getting a jump start on the film for the next week, whatever. But Jameer, someone goes down and, and make sure it's, it's cleared out and, and gives us the go. Uh, we're going to do the locker room, you know, gives everybody the, the email. 15 minutes, locker room report, be there. So we're sitting at someone's locker. I, I can picture the old locker room. They kind of had those ones that stuck out in the middle. And yeah. we start filming. And, and, you know, even if we – it was the kind of thing that even if we nailed the first take, we always did two or three. So when it got back to the producer, he would he would choose the best one. And sometimes we didn't always nail the first take. Talk too fast, you know, botched a word, whatever, right. blah, blah, blah. Well, Derek was still in the locker room even though he told us he was going to be there. And we're about on the second take, and I'm about 30 seconds into rambling and smiling and thinking that I know everything about everything in the world. And out from this side uh, area of lockers, right by the camera, emerges Derek Anderson wearing nothing but an Arnold Palmer-type golf hat. And his fucking penis <laughs> is just dancing there. He's got his hands on his hips, and he's smiling at me standing next to the camera. 
<laughs> and I kept it together for like five or seven seconds. Like I was determined and I was going to be a pro. And I just looked at him and said, D.A. And he goes, oh, AT&T locker room report, huh? Huh? You want me in the locker room? This is how we walk around the locker room. <laughs> and he just stood there with his hands on his hips, letting it sway back and forth. <laughs> No reaction on his that face. That was my man, DA. And, and <laughs> like I said, I remember, I remember the uh, <laughs> the the good times. I remember the bad times. I remember tracking his career, even when I wasn't catching up with him in the locker room of some random stadium. Same but here. I will never forget that one. And uh, and it it came to my attention last year when he got back in when he had to play, and then when he kind of made it official. Uh, hell of a run, DA. We salute you. And I know you're a golfer, and I hope you have many happy days on the golf course and you wear that hat, but I hope you're wearing clothes as well as that hat. Yeah, but no doubt. Yeah, my cheers to DA is simply for making the most out of what he had. So many people in all careers don't find their way through life, and they don't find a way to make the most of what they have. DA, no one will ever challenge you on that. And in these two stories that you just heard, we know that you didn't have much to give. It was coming to be a challenge. <laughs> well, listen, you, you, you kind of stopped yourself before, and you said I almost compared him to a baseball player. I was going to compare him to a baseball player. And I think as we talk about all this stuff, NBA, baseball, NFL, guys that are going to make it, guys to watch out for, I think it's important to understand, Dre, just how good you, got, you have to be. And if you're good, you have to be big and fast enough, right? And if you're big and fast and good enough, you have to be healthy enough. You have to be in the right spot. Like, think about all the guys in all the sports that had one great month, one great year, that bounced around, that made a great career, that that were just a guy, started as a fifth-round pick or a 20th-round pick in baseball or whatever, maybe maybe needed till their second or third shot, and then were gone as quickly as they got there, but they got there. And I think it was just we knew Derek was a genuine human. We knew he was a small-town kid who, you know, got dismissed. And like I said, I I can tell you stories about the first time I ever talked to him and him coming in. And in practice, they would be like, you know what? Like, this is rare arm talent. We're not sure that he'll ever put it together. But at very least, in practice, he can challenge our defense. At very least, we can tell him. And thinking about that 07 quarterback competition, Remember, organizationally, everybody wanted Derek to win. He just, for whatever reason, didn't. Right. He, he, he never he got loose he and became himself until the chance came. But, you know, and the West season just worked out right. You know, like they let Charlie, because Charlie was drafted, they let Charlie start that first game. It was so horrible. I'll never forget sitting there. And this plays into it as well. He had the right temperament when, when that happened. If you remember, they lose that first game. They trade Charlie. I remember I, ran, I was at James Walker's house, and we were getting ready, and no names here. We were, we were getting ready to play Madden. Uh, at his house in Brunswick, he had just, a black man from Maryland bought a $200,000 house in, a brand new house in Brunswick. Should have saw the white people staring at us. And we pulled his <laughs> I remember that house. <laughs> and, and, and Popeye's. <laughs> like, I'm surprised we didn't walk out. There were guns and sheets hanging. Um, but we, I'll never get getting a text. You know, you, you know, you get sources or people in the building, and it wasn't even you. And I remember, like, we're getting ready to play Madden, and, I, and being the childish person I was in 2007, I remember him going, shit, we just started the game. We got news. And he looks at me, he goes, what's the news? And I'm like, uh, I think I go, well, they just, ex- you know, they just pushed this guy out. And, and I remember talking to DA the next day and, and DA, you know, some people would be like, you know, some people would be like over surprised, happy. And DA was just like, yo, let's go run the offense, do what they tell me to do. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you just got the, the, the handed the starting quarterback job of an NFL team. And, 
and that's why it worked for him that year, right? Like, there was no expectations, and he dealt with it perfectly. Yeah, I mean, he we know it, and he'll tell you it too. Sometimes you just had to put it in the zip code, but those three guys were so locked in on oh. making plays at the time, and then Jamal was going. Um, one thing I'll always remember wasn't obviously that game where he got hot and they beat the Bengals in that wild shootout, scored 50 or whatever it was. But the week was, before when they great. benched Charlie down 30 to nothing or 38 to nothing to the Steelers. Yeah. Derek got in against their prevent defense and led a drive. And they got down to about the four-yard line and the Steelers blitzed. And the only time in his career he dumped one off successfully and Vickers scored. And Vickers <laughs> ran in the corner of the end zone and started dancing. And remember, Derek sprinted Dances. behind him and grabbed him and was like, will you yep. fucking stop dancing? We are losing 38 to 6. Yes. Do you remember that? I will That's never forget true. that. I do remember that. I'll never forget that. Yeah. DA, but you know, and that was the other thing. I remember people didn't because there were and quarterback controversies, as we know. And everybody would always say, why do you pull for – I didn't ever pull for one or the other, but I would always say DA was the guy because of that story you just told. DA had enough cachet in the locker room to go up to Lawrence Vickers, who was a brother from Houston, and brothers from Houston are just different. And I love Vickers. I always will love Lawrence Vickers because he was nuts, and he would put his head on the line for you. Um, he had the cachet to go up to Lawrence Vickers and be like, cut that shit out. Yep. And he had the cachet to go hunting with the linemen on Monday. And he had, Like, I always told people this. The thing that, that separated him from Brady Quinn, and it's funny that we're talking about this now because it would be great to have both of them on our podcast now because I've talked to Brady. You know, we've talked to both of them since those days. Um, Brady, for whatever reason, because he was for Notre Dame, because of the high contract, on and on and on and on, never had the cachet with the entire locker room. D.A. had the cachet with the entire locker room. Yeah. He could go to a rap concert on Monday. He could go hunting with the linemen on Tuesday. On Wednesday, he could hang out with the DBs. And as you know, and I know this, when you're in clubhouses and locker rooms, that, that's not normal. There's only so many guys that connect with everyone. Yeah. D.A. connected with everyone probably because he didn't put himself in front. And I'm not saying Brady did or didn't. Brady came from completely different circumstances. And, and we've told the Sean Smith story. Like, you know, D.A. can tell Sean Smith, hey, shut the fuck up, smush mouth. And, and you know, Sean would be like, whoa, motherfucker. And, <laughs> but, if Brady said that, but if Brady said that to him, he took that shit personal because he'd be like, Brady, that's the only time you ever fucking talk to me. Don't talk to me like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and I hope people understand that. Like, because we all have that job. Certain people can say certain things to you because, you know, genuine. You used the word genuine earlier. And I think this, this plays into D.A. He genuinely was a good dude, knew every guy on the team. Yeah. Where some guys just didn't have that, and that's why. Heck, I always remember this: PA was best friends with Stephen Jackson, and you would never put those two together—the running back that had the long dreads that you guys right. all forget about that played at Oregon State. He just knew how to get along with people, man. And uh, I, I, I miss DA. I miss being around guys like DA because sometimes he made our job hard because you liked him so much as a person that uh, you didn't beat him up as much when he couldn't swing the ball out to, when he threw a 100-mile-per-hour <laughs> swing pass to a guy for no reason. When he showed the owner his ass. <laughs> <laughs> literally. Literally. Let's, uh, let me, all right. Let me, I'm a, let, let's I'm make a little podcast thing. history. Let's call Sean Smith right now, live on the air. Hey, Sean, this uh, is Zach. You're on the air. Better <laughs> 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 leave him alone, man. The audio guy, you see him on Twitter the other day? The audio guy didn't be acclaimed. Didn't tighten his uh, his bolts tight enough when his, when his tire came off. I was so close to being like, you sure it just wasn't your big ass in the audience? I made it fall off. <laughs> my way of coming at me because I know you know where my sister lives, so I wouldn't leave him alone. Um, we, we hit on something, and that'll be funny 10 years later if he ever hears it. Um, we hit on something, and this is how I'll talk about baseball. Look, the Indian situation is dire right now. It's not good. Um, next 17 games are going to be the season, one way or the other. Just my opinion. Uh, they got to turn it around, and it's hard to enjoy. 
Um, but we had this conversation on the air today, and this is after they just got swept by the A's, if you're listening to the podcast. And I'm driving home in, in all glory. And, um, we're in this. But you talk about, like, I, there, was a, there was something. All right, Carlos Gonzalez got designated for assignment today. And baseball right now has a war on old players. And we had this conversation during the game of baseball is so dead set on getting younger talent that fits the analytic numbers or spots that they want. Carlos Gonzalez obviously is not the Carlos Gonzalez five years ago, four years ago, whatever. The metrics say he's a great defensive outfielder. And I think the Indians right now are, in, and, I, and this is my opinion, they're in the crux of crux because they're, tr- they're trying to do the inevitable. And, I, and like not many teams have done it in any sport. They're trying to reload, re, re content, whatever you right? want to use. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, okay, still contend, but also get younger and also kind of change. And, and, and it was needed. They needed to get more. They needed to get some youth. They needed to get some more speed. They needed those things. Well, all that's great and fine. You can be young and you can be more athletic. But if you, because you were talking about just like all the boxes you need to check off to be successful in pro sports, you got to have this, you know, you got to be the 1%, you know, size wise. You got to be the 1% speed wise. You got to be the 1%, you know, like you've got to be so special in so many areas to be a competent average player, whether it's NFL, baseball, and, and the Indians right now. Yeah, they're trying to change the roster makeup. And yeah, they're trying to get younger. And yeah, they're trying to, you know, trying to trying to somehow keep their window open longer, uh, than, as long as they possibly can. All things that make sense. That's what you should do. But it ain't that easy, man. It's not that easy. And the Carlos Gonzalez situation is is perfect for that. They bring Ramirez in earlier, uh, Hanley Ramirez earlier. Both of them passed their prime, no doubt. But today, when they let Carlos Gonzalez go, they say, well, we only gave him 100 bats. He didn't have a spring training. I think most of us will say that's unfair, right? We didn't give him a spring training. You only give him 100 bats. And you tell him, well, we're going to go look at the young players. Building, and so they're going to look at young players that have never done it ever before. So it's like, you're, like to me, that's walking out on a plank with no idea where you're going to land, right? Yeah, um, <clears throat> it's difficult. Now, I, I said I don't get many right, and I don't even get into many baseball discussions, but I said four or five weeks ago they're playing with a lot of guys who are going pro in something else, right? And that's, that's yeah, one of them. Yes, um, yes. You did say that, yes. Yeah. Um, look, people are frustrated. I get it. Uh, I'm sure there are, re- and you're right. It is that that pro sports in 2019, and really going back four or five years, that's what it's become, right? It's hard to be on two tracks at once, right? You either got to be yeah. all in, yeah. or you got to be reloading for the future, right? And, and the Indians clearly, right. from the last few years, uh, are a championship or bust type team. They've won x amount of divisions in a row. They have one of baseball's best staffs. Now they got worse on paper in the offseason, got worse via mm-hmm. injuries and bad luck early in the season, already had a shaky offense, got worse, and the pitching staff's in shambles too. So other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the rest of the play? Yeah, uh, bang. For you kids that don't understand, go read your history books. That was a good That was a good funny by Z. Um, it's frustrating, and I know Tito's frustrated. I mean, everybody's frustrated. I get fans are frustrated. Um, I, I think most of you guys don't yeah, – never mind, I won't go to where your anger's at. This is frustrating, and um, I had a very interesting conversation with Lindor, and it's not what everybody thinks during it. Because Lindor and I just talked about different guys, different players, and Lindor is really good at being, you know, professionally upright. But I, I know how he personally feels about certain things too, and it's one of those situations. Because we talked about just roster construction, 
And, and and him and I were kind of saying, you know, it's easy when you do podcasts or radio, to, you know, to, to put a video game together. Because, like, like, Dietrich from Cincinnati today hit his 12th home run. And he and I'll and I'll put this out there. Frankie won't get mad at me. Even if he does, it, it won't be the first or last time he gets mad at me. But we can do that. And Chris Dietrich, who went to St. Ignatius, local kid, one to sign with the Indians this offseason, didn't work out, signed at the end with Cincinnati. He already has 12 home runs. And I go, I go, fuck. I go, do you know how good that would look in our lineup right now? Frankie looked at me and he goes, he goes, me and Chris are really tight. Uh, he goes, you know, we, we've been knowing each other since we were 14, 15 years old. When he's down in Florida, you know, he, sometimes he keeps his cars at my place. And he goes, I love Chris. He goes, I don't know how it would have fit. He goes, but I love Chris. And he laughed and he goes, it's funny. He goes, you know, we all think just because a guy has 12, 15 home runs, that'll fit or that'll work. He goes, look at some of, he goes, look at some of the best teams we've been here uh, since I've been here. He goes, on paper, they always didn't look perfect, but they had the right chemistry and it worked out. He goes, right now we got to find chemistry in the right people. He goes, yeah, I would love to have, you know, you know, somebody with 30 home runs. He goes, but if it don't fit, it don't fit. And he goes, and we got a lot of things that don't fit right now. And I was just kind of like, all right, go get them, bucko. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's a good transition because I don't even think we got to Jim, John Beeline last time, or did we? I don't no, know. No, we didn't. We yeah. Fun, but no, we haven't. I think that says a lot about the Cavs, right? But it, it, but it says yeah. it says about where where we are because we don't script this, but we have things we want to talk about, things that drive the conversation. And last time you were honestly like, "Yo, I got 42 minutes," and I was like, "Yo, I'm three minutes from home," and we zoomed and we <laughs> jumped on and we went right, <laughs> um, right. But, but listening to, I, I haven't, I did not watch the whole thing or listen to the whole thing, but I've I've read a lot and I've heard a lot of the clips that have been played back on the various radio shows. And I thought B- Beeline said one thing that was really interesting. Um, and he talked about team building, you know. And I think, Dre, even in the NBA, which is a star-driven league, right, and we know you got to have two to even think about getting the third or, or being beating the teams that have the third. But it really is so much about team building. And I think that's the one um, disappointment that logical people have with what's-his-name not being here with the Browns, right? Is it a huge deal? No. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, when you're the Cavs and, and your best player is the eighth pick in the draft and he's not uh, anywhere near a finished product, it's probably more about talent acquisition than team building. But as you go forward, yeah. it is about team building. They're, they're not in any pro sport is there a perfect roster, a stacked nine position groups in football, five in baseball, whatever it is, right? Uh, five in basketball. Like, you have to adapt. And even if, you, even if you think you're there, all of a sudden you have an injury. All of a sudden you have a guy quit. All of a sudden you right. have, you know, a guy foul out, I whatever agree. it may be, get suspended. Right, or um, injury. Right. So it really is a lot about, uh, in, all, in all of these sports, and this is something really to watch going forward. I think it's something we've seen in the NBA playoffs for the last couple of weeks. The Bucks are really good and scary talented. Um, they're going through some things. Kawhi Leonard is really good and scary talented. When his guys around him play, they're really good. When they're not, they're bad. But, man, the, the Warriors, who have legendary players and legendary shooters and legendary accomplishments, they got a team. And we're going to talk about Kevin Durant then, now, and into the future. They've shown, without him, that, man, team basketball is, is something. And it's really important that oh. over years and years they've built – I know it's the magic culture word, but just the whole thing of guys know how to play a certain way and play off of one another, and that is how the sum of the parts becomes greater than the individual parts. Thank you so much for bringing that up about the uh, Warriors. 
so many people were getting into, into battles about how good they are with with or without Kevin Durant. And I think and, – and look, we are what have you done for me lately society. I think you forget how good they were with Kevin Durant before they had Kevin Durant. And I said this texting a couple of days ago with you and someone else that, yeah, are they better when they got a top two top player in the, in the, in the whole world? Absolutely. But what that's done is preserve Curry. By, by having KD – because, like, somebody said, they were like, I think people forget that Curry is one of the best scorers of all time. He hasn't had to do that the last two, three regular seasons because they've had another one of the greatest scorers of all time. But when you take KD out and they get the ball moving, and I know his brother said this and it kind of pissed KD off, and, and we all know KD is always in his feelings. His point was right, though. He was like, yeah, they're great with KD. And he goes, but when they don't have KD, you got to cover everything because the ball's moving. The, the, the players are moving. It is, and I don't want to love the Warriors. I'm just to the point where I respect the Warriors. Yes, they're fun to watch. They're more fun to watch and harder to defend without KD. But it's almost with like talent. Yeah. Well, two things. One, it's almost like somebody told Draymond when he's a basketball player and not a clown, he's pretty good at basketball, right? No shit. <laughs> right. But well, it, well, I think the Draymond thing. I think the Draymond thing is this. You're right. But I think it's this. I think when KD came along, it was like. Hey man, you're not you're not a scorer with these with these other four guys. Go do all the other shit. And I think for 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 Dremont, Draymond being the knucklehead that he is, he was just like, well, fuck it. He would you can tell his shooting. He didn't even shoot threes anymore. Think about how many big shots he hit for the Warriors before KD came along. Yeah, I got a great tweet. I got to read you. It's from Timmy Smith, Cleveland okay. guy, who's at least a part time listener to the podcast. Ready? Yeah. The best way to defend Steph Curry is Kevin Durant isolations. Yes. Bingo. <laughs> great tweet. That is so that's that is it's dead on. Yeah. It's you sure take is. away some of his greatest traits. You take away some of Steph's greatest traits by putting Durant on the team. But it's work it's gonna work for them in the long run. Yeah. because hell, they're gonna go down as one of the best, you know, best teams of all time. The name I mean, the name of the game in pro sports is acquire the most talent. Right? Like that that's yeah. your job as a GM. And now that now that some of the better players have have grown to become as big as the franchises that they play for and they play GM sometimes some obviously better than others. It's to get that talent. But at the core of it, it's team building, it's chemistry, it's luck. It's guys buying in, guys being on the right page, Draymond being an adult instead of the alternative, right? And uh right. that was a fun series. Uh it it really was. Uh, game one, I know Portland ran out of gas in the fourth quarter and got boat race, which is understandable. But they held those leads in the other games, and they held. And I mean, everybody knew what was happening back in game five in Oakland, but they led by 17 points. It would have been so easy for the Warriors to say, okay, let's just go back to Oakland and end them there. And they didn't, and it was really fun to watch. It really was. And if you're it a really Warriors hater, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I'm just saying it was. And, and I now – I've been really into the Eastern Finals too, and frankly, I can't wait for games five and six, and and, and probably seven because I don't think anybody's winning on anybody's home court. Although, nope. Although I don't know, I, I am not ruling the Raptors out. I really am not. Really not. Well, if Kawhi is limping around, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, that's, um, that's the only thing I'll say. Something that I want to make sure that we touch on too, and kind of making this this list here. Uh, Sorry, if guys, if this is a little bit abbreviated. We do have another idea for later in the week. Anyway, we'll talk programming later. Um, the NFL draft coming yeah. to Cleveland is a big deal. And, you know, at surface level, I was like, eh, you know, the Browns don't really run the draft anymore. Hopefully their contention window is opening. We all think that it is. 
But when you're talking about the event that it's become, the power of the NFL to make a non-event this event, you're talking about a hundred plus million dollars coming to Cleveland, and you know, almost two full years of build up for it, a chance to showcase the city. Um, snow or no snow, right? A chance maybe to get more spotlight for a Browns organization that hopefully is in the midst of a remarkable turnaround uh, from nowhere to go, but up to to that. This is a big deal and, and, and salute, I guess, to those. Um, yes. Which leads me to our new segment, Dre, that we've been trying to bring out. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Let me say one thing about it. Hold on to that. I'm going to get one thing in. Uh-huh. At first, I was lukewarm on it as well. I got to agree with you. Um, but I think, and, and this is a, I'm not calling Lima out, but, and I just, I'm using Lima because he was the first person that kind of brought this up. Um, this isn't a Browns, like getting the draft isn't a Browns thing. It's an NFL event, right? It's like the all-star game. Yeah, it's going to be in Cleveland, but it's not an Indians event or a Cavs event. And I think, and he, cause I remember him saying, well, Pittsburgh will take over our town. Who gives a shit? It's, it's an NFL event and you get to host it. And so, you know, like, and I'll admit, I even was kind of jaded doesn't matter people get to see cleveland it's not about the browns it's not about baker mayfield it's not about how many draft picks you have like when it was in philadelphia it didn't matter if you like i i guess i guess we have so much civic pride me included that sometimes we make it so much about us and put it in our box that you don't look outside the box at why it truly is great it's great for our town for our city for our state it's not about our the team in my opinion so we were texting one day, and we uh, I, I forget if Andre – I think I hit Andre with something, and he said he wrote back, congrats, and then he said, no, I really mean that. I don't mean congrats. And we had a chuckle, and if you've listened right. to the podcast, you know we go there. So at this time, as we close this – another healthy and mature edition of the A to Z podcast, we're going to bring out our first edition of congrats and congrats. So I'm going to yes. start by saying congrats to the Cleveland Sports Commission – to the Browns front office people, who's a lot of you, the names don't know, to everyone involved with getting that here, and congrats to the people in Canton. This was a done deal. The NFL wanted it. Canton to at least be a part of it. Um, this Hall of Fame Village project has been going on for years and years and years. The stadium looks beautiful. The blueprints look beautiful, and there's a whole bunch of unfinished construction projects, and there's no draft in Canton. So congrats to them. Dre, what do you got? Wow, that was a good one. Um Congrats and congrats. I will go to congrats to John Beeline for getting the job to finish off his career completely. The cherry on top, one of a great college basketball career and for a great basketball scholar. I also will give my congrats to John Beeline, who now has to deal with a bunch of young kids that make more money than him, and he has to deal with Dan Gilbert. Amen. Amen. We should probably stop because this is a really good segment. I'm not sure we can go on from there. Um, I want to say, I want to say, congrats to all the graduates. I don't care. Well, although I'm a little tired of this fifth grade graduation shit, this preschool graduation shit. Um, to high school, college, masters, yeah. doctorate, whatever, whatever your circumstances are, you've put in the work. Um, you you deserve to be proud to take a step back to pop a beer whatever it is a diet coke and celebrate and i want to say congrats specifically since this is a sports driven podcast and i'm a sports driven person to those people who have gone on to a certain level of success and notoriety in the sports world and go back a year later six years later 13 years later and get their degree and i don't care your reasons for going back and being in the ceremony whether you made a promise whether you just want the instagram picture whatever you want i think it's really cool 
I think you all have a responsibility as visible role models, especially in the social media world, regardless of the level of actual success you have on the pro level. And so to Romeo Travis, to Julian Edelman, to uh, those are the two that come to mind. Um, Congrats to you guys for, for putting in the work and then using that positive moment, hopefully, to kind of spread that, and hopefully it'll affect one person going forward. All right, I got, I got another. I got a runner-up for congrats, congrats as well. I totally agree with what you said. That is the beauty of, of being a great role model, and, and whether it's a small community or a huge community, Romeo Travis, completely so proud of everything you are and what you stand for now and knowing who you were 20 years ago and where you've gone. Um, it's easy to give the other guy a lot of credit, but you've – He's achieved. He's he's made the most of what he's had. He's squeezing the, the most out of the juice that he's gotten out of that that orange. Let me say this: another congrats, congrats, congrats to Magic Johnson for not giving one fuck at all <laughs> and screwing up everything that is. <laughs> and congrats to the LA Lakers and Rob Palinka who fucked over the Cavs years ago when he had Boozer, and now he's getting it back twofold. What a story! I love LA. We love it. <laughs> Congrats to me for uh, not getting them all right, but for getting this one right. Remember when we talked about Eric Bledsoe and I said he's nothing other than a workout warrior and a whiny loser, yeah. and the only reason anybody knows him is because he has Rich Paul as an agent? Have you watched the Eastern Conference Finals? Congrats, Clutch. Your great year continues. <laughs> all right, we can't use them all up for the first show. But as we go along and we're going to continue doing congrats and congrats and we're going to get this one sponsored because it's legit you can always tweet either us of Akron Jackson or Dre Not. if you have a, if someone that you think should be up for congrats or congrats please let us know and we will get it together and we will put together a little package together for anybody that deserves to be congrats or congrats yes uh, and we'll get out of here on this again as always American Fireworks Cleveland Scene Honeymoon Grill and you guys facebook.com slash A to Z podcast uh, a to Z podcast.com even in the social media world guys the best advertising is word of mouth and so when you tweet us and, and we hear our coworker once more or, or I told so and so about the podcast and they came back and told us that means a lot to us and that is the best way to grow it and congrats to our friends the Rector family at Honeymoon Grill the old Honeymoon Grill does not exist yeah. the brand new shiny building behind it is open I haven't been there to feed my fat face yet but now more, more spaciously I can do it and you're talking about um, just you know a family business and a real success story. In this day and age, they're hard to come by. And so I'm just really happy for Steve uh, to, to have seen that in the Beacon Journal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Hopefully congrats to you guys for sticking with us. Um, <laughs> I was about to close the show a certain way. I'm not sure I want to say this or not. But uh, do you have any parting thoughts? Uh, I don't. I'm going okay. to bite my tongue today. Wow. Both of us are biting our tongues. That tells you a lot about where we are at. Yes. Currently, congrats to the Athletic for making uh, Pete in Painesville happy. He brought somebody to talk about for the Athletic. He will now be an Athletic subscriber forever. And to wrap this thing up, for my five foot seven partner, Andre Knott, for Derek Anderson's two foot four penis, we'll talk to you next time on A to Z. <laughs> Good evening, <on> DA's butt. <laughs> <laughs>